Hey everyone, my name is Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind the street photography blog, Men in This Town, and the editor of Mint Magazine. We celebrated the opening of the Mint Market pop-up in Sydney last month, a preview of what is to come when we launch our permanent space later this year, along with the space being a retail destination to discover locally designed men's lifestyle goods. It's also going to be the home of our Mint Studio Talks. To kick off the series at the Mint Market, we asked some of our designers to join in on the discussion of custom-made and what it means in this day and age. Again, still getting used to pressing record when we begin the talks, so missing Kevin's intro, who is, of course, one of the brains behind Luxwares, a startup producing custom-made leather wallets. Hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm Eric, I work with Zoltan on Citizen Wolf, and we make, as we say, the best t-shirts you'll ever wear. And by that, we mean uh, t-shirts that are locally made to your fit and to your style. Right, um, totally uh, locally made here, right here in Darlinghurst, uh, sewn in Redfern from organic cotton milled in Melbourne. Uh, the whole idea behind this is that while you know, tailoring is fantastic, uh, it's only available at the moment to quite a high income uh, range. Um, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we feel that tailoring should be available to everyone. So what we want to do is bring it to casual clothing, um, starting with t-shirts. I, um, I actually 100% agree with that. Um, as far as uh, you know, being able to produce uh, quality garments that people can access no matter what income or, or whatever sort of status they are. Uh, it's not just people who... I guess have difficulty wearing off the rack clothing that need um, tailor made for or you know, things that are custom made for them. Um, so I'm Steve, I'm from uh, Oscar Hunt Tailors. Um, we are a tailoring house out of Melbourne. We've been in there for six years now um, and we've just opened up a showroom in uh, the CBD of Sydney, um, which I've actually moved uh, up here to start. Um, we've been up there since, uh, since October last year so we're fairly fresh to Sydney so uh, I don't know anybody in this room really because um, I'm fairly new to Sydney so hey guys. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess just to, uh, to run down on what we produce we, uh, we, we uh, give our clients um, tailor-made garments that uh, I guess anything from sports jackets, casual trousers, um, shirts, uh, suits, uh, overcoats, all that type of thing. I guess to start off the conversation, is there kind of an experience that you guys have had in your past with custom-made goods that kind of made you think about producing stuff yourself? Yeah, so for me, it wasn't necessarily really like a custom-made good that really kind of got me thinking about it, but um, you know, like growing up in a Vietnamese household, Louis Vuitton was considered like a status symbol. Um, and I remember when I was like a kid, um, you know, like I saved up all my pocket money to buy like a really, it's pretty vulgar actually, like a Louis Vuitton wallet. <laughs> and like being in high school, the only thing I had was like a bus pass, a library card, and like 50 cents in it, in this massive wallet. But I spent so much time just working for it, and it didn't last as long as I wanted. But any time I got, just even around friends, like I'd like, you know, put it on the table, like, oh, check it out. But it was that feeling that I liked. So for me, it was kind of this idea that I think I could actually make something better than this. Um, and in a way, it's always like, I guess, with every single entrepreneur, that like you scratch your own itch or something pisses you off so bad that you have to do something to fix it. So that's how I kind of started off um, 
with this idea of making quality, but also that experience of luxury, and not that whole, you know, breaking the bank, you know, work drafts and forage. So that's what started me with uh, Luxor. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so with Citizen Wolf, my experience is actually quite personal. Um, I'm very short, um, <laughs> and trying to buy clothing in Australia is just horrible. Right? I can't find anything that fits, I can't find something the right style. If I do, it's never in stock, it's not the right colour. It's frustrating. Um, and the best experience I've ever had was actually buying suits. That's custom made. Right? There's nothing like putting something on that is perfect for you. It just feels like you were born for it. You feel complete because it's just so good and tried on. And uh, I've worked with Zoltan previously in advertising about 10, 15 years ago. It's been a while now. Um, and he was running a, a t-shirt business, and which evolved into a, a larger fashion brand, which I'm, I'm sure we can talk about it in a moment. And we got to chatting, it's like, if I wanted a suit, it's easy enough to get something tailor-made. But I don't wear suits all the time. Right? What about the weekends? What about casual clothing? Why can't I get a t-shirt? Right, that's custom-made, and that's right for me. Yeah. And that's where it kind of proved. <coughs> yeah, to Eric's point, um, we just kind of saw or thought that the benefits of tailoring should be available to everybody, regardless of whether or not you work in the city and if you have money or if you don't have money. That feeling of being able to control and choose exactly what you want, and then that feeling of just being the best kind of version of yourself, I suppose, where you're confident. Um, and as Eric said, I had a brand before this, and it was a more traditional kind of mass-produced play, right? Um, and then we, we had this idea, we started thinking about it, and the more that I did, the more I realised that fashion, as it currently exists mostly, is horrendously broken, right? And I think now especially, everybody loves Zara and the fast fashion H&M and all the rest of it. Don't get me wrong, they have a place, but people are becoming more aware that it's unsustainable, it's unethical, and you buy something, if it doesn't shrink in the wash, it falls apart in three months. So it's just kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face, in a way. Um, we decided we wanted to basically make something where you were buying less, but buying better. Something that lasted. Right. I've got to see. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, I actually, I really struggle with t-shirts myself, so I've really got to see these guys and, and have a chance. Well, so yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm going to be there. Um, I've got, I guess I've got two stories, only because I've been with Oscar Hunt for about uh, two and a half years now. Um, Oscar Hunt started um, when Chris and Matt, the, the original founders of Oscar Hunt, uh, they were on this other entrepreneur trip business plan that they had thought would be great, which fell to pieces. But while they were over in uh, India, um, they, uh, Chris actually got a suit made for him. And he, he loved the idea of sitting down with someone who uh, at that stage he thought he knew what he was talking about um, and talking through the process of, of choosing fabrics, designing a suit and having something made for you and that intimate process uh, involved in that. Um, the suit was absolutely rubbish. I don't think it even fit him. Um, but it was the idea and the, the process that he got out of that um, and he thought, where is this in Australia? And there was definitely some other tailors and definitely bespoke um, were offering in that sort of that, this, this price point that you guys are definitely talking about a lot more of. 
Um, but there was this really this massive gap in the market where you've got off the rack, uh, where you need to spend hundreds of dollars to get something altered, and and bespoke where you need to be a CEO or uh, quite a wealthy person to be able to afford. And slotting in there really nicely and, and bridging the gap there between the two worlds and sort of molding them together. Myself, I have so much trouble uh, buying anything off the rack, uh, whether it be t-shirts, shirts are so, I've got pretty long arms, so shirts are really short uh, on my arms and things like that. So um, I found it really frustrating uh, with that process of, of buying something and never feeling comfortable and as you say, confident wearing it uh, in my everyday sort of life. Um, so seeking uh, something that was made for me um, was sort of the way to, to get to that. And it wasn't until, until I really tried my first um, shirt that was made for me that I thought, oh, I have to now throw out everything in my wardrobe because <laughs> I no longer feel good wearing that anymore. And now I have to, you know, my bank account's gonna suffer. And, and you know, you know, relationships fall apart. <laughs> um, so I then just had to, you know, get into this world of made to measure or, or something made for you and there's something so beautiful and nostalgic about having something crafted for you that I think everyone can relate to. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's great stories of kind of, you know, wanting to get into custom made because you guys experience these things. But did you guys have any formal training in design or working with textiles? Like, it's, I love the idea that of being able to create something like that myself or buying it, but how, how did you guys get into it? What was the backstory behind that? Yeah, um, so for me, um, continuing back on like a previous story, so being so pissed at my Louis Vuitton wallet. <laughs> really hate that thing. <laughs> yeah, it just... That's yeah. not a process. Yeah, yeah. Stand outside like a little... <laughs> Give it to the yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> the only person. Um, but yeah, I, I took a, a Stanley knife to the wallet and I actually cut it down. I'm like, you know what, actually this looks a lot like paper. And my background's architecture. So we made a lot of models using cardboard and paper. So I'm like, this isn't that much of a, a difference. Okay. Um, so then using all my um, you know, knowledge in CAD programs, you know, just drawing it up. Uh, then I started prototyping with laser cutting and then I learned how to like hand sew on YouTube. <laughs> um, and then like reading forums on Reddit. Um, <laughs> And it's like really scrappy DIY. High end, high end oh, training. totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it was like the, the first thing I made was like the most like just eye-wateringly vulgar thing I think I've ever seen. But you know, after a while, it was like you know, like um, after like you know, like the first twenty wallets that you make, you get better and better at it, and then you start like learning about old things and like different tools that you need, and you start you know reinvesting into that. Right. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, I think, reverse engineering. Um, you know, you see a product you like. You know, what's so good about that product? Why is this wallet worth $600? Why do people love this wallet? You know, and after a while, you kind of start understanding it. And then through reverse engineering, I think that's how I kind of learned. Um, so applying everything I learned, it was more so just creating the best product I could as a base, but then letting other people customize on top of that, like their own little personal touches. So yeah, for me, that's kind of my background. Is, I guess, Steve, yourself, you were training under Foster Hunt Taylors, and you've kind of grown within the company. Did you learn mostly from within the company, or was it something that you kind of had before? Um, yeah, I guess I, I've worked very closely with our head tailor, Oscar. Um, Oscar Lake, not Oscar Hunt, in uh, <laughs> Melbourne. And um, really, 
sort of started to apply, I guess, some learnings that I'd had just through experiences with, with retail and, and other places where garments were made and things yeah. like that. Um, and sort of applying that and moulding it into suiting. I'd never worked in suiting before, before I, I started with Oscar Hunt. Have confidence in me, I know what I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, like, I had no idea. Like it was just, it, it was my knowledge of pattern making that I, I got through working with, with uh, people who were making shirts that were, you know, been doing it for 35 years yeah, plus right. and, and getting that experience. And it's just, I think, I think if you're gonna do anything, you need to have that, that thirst and that hunger to learn off other people and and I guess you guys are the same like you, you've just got to have this passion that you want to achieve that and you want to learn as much as you can and you want to keep evolving and you never sort of think all right I've learned everything that I have to learn I'm done with that now and, and now I can just sort of plateau off um, there, there's always something new that you learn everyone that walks in the door you know you see something quite different in everybody so just always evolving that and I, I definitely you know, once you see, you know, 50 people a week and then weeks turn over and, uh, you know, you start to count to a thousand and then you've seen, you've measured a thousand people and then you start to learn all these things and you see something you've seen before and you, you, you draw that inspiration from what you've seen before. So, yeah, I, I, I learned through Oscar Hunt, but I had some other little snippets that I put together and tried to mash into this yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. So then you had a previous brand right. before Citizen Wolf. Was that a huge learning experience? Just yeah, I mean, I never studied fashion. I did visual communications. And as Eric said, we met in advertising many, many years ago. So that wasn't my core skill set. But yeah, I suppose it was interest and it was just, it was naivety as much as anything, right? That you just like, well, I, surely I can do this. And when we started, we went. We, we were going around and meeting, you know, suppliers and cutters and seamstresses and all the rest of it. And without fail, everybody told us we were crazy and that it couldn't be done. The people we buy the fabric off are like, "Oh no, we've run the numbers. You just you can't make tailored t-shirts. It's not going to work." It's like they're working against themselves. Like, yeah. We'll sell this to you, but don't think you're going to make money. Right. Right. <laughs> we'll take your money anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so we'll like tell you negativity so. around this, you know, locally made thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, you know we found a pattern maker and he was great. So he did up the patterns for us and I'm like, okay, cool. We got the patterns. We got the fabric. Let's go and make this happen and. I met, I don't know, half a dozen cutters, and they were like, no, no, I'm just not going to work the way you want. The way we work is mass production. You give me 17 rolls of fabric and I'll cut you a thousand t-shirts or whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, that's great, but what's your, what's your hourly rate? I will pay it, and I don't care how many you make, but just work in the way that we're asking. So I went back to the pattern maker and I'm like, this is insane, nobody wants to work with us, I don't understand. Teach me to cut. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> At some point, somebody had to say it. Anyway, after enough kind of begging, basically, he taught me to cut. And so then we developed this system whereby, you know, we take, we put you in what's called a guide tee, which is a standard small, medium, large, right? Get in front of the mirror, and then based off that, we tweak it to make it perfect. So. It's not that we can't use a measuring tape. It, we don't want to, right? We want the, the benefits of tailoring are awesome, but in many ways we feel the process is broken, certainly in terms of doing it at home or doing it online in a scalable fashion. 
So we wanted to create a system whereby you didn't need to do that, right? So you put on the guide tee, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, I just want the neck to drop a bit more. And it was based off that that, yeah, I started cutting. <laughs> and it's not what I do, but now I can do it. Yeah, it's teaching you something in the end. Yeah, that's right. And to your point, you never stop learning. We haven't fitted thousands of people yet. We're still really new, we're about three months old. But to your point, everybody that does come in, you know, you start to notice more and more. And the more, you, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm noticing that one I made three weeks ago could have been a little bit better, right? But that's the process. Well, you were talking about just that whole costs, I guess, that you kind of were dealing with of just people, the, the traditional way of creating stuff versus the way you guys want to do it. Um, costs play a huge factor in producing stuff locally in Australia, and sometimes you have to compromise. You guys construct most of your stuff in Shanghai, but it's customized here, and you guys are doing absolutely everything here, and so are you. How do you find that balance of kind of, that makes it, I guess, a profitable business at the same time? You want to do the vision that you have, but how do you balance that? I guess for us, we made a very conscious decision early on that while we want to bring the benefits of tailoring to everyone, yeah. we are not for everyone. Right? Um, there are going to be people who are completely happy with a $10 t-shirt from Uniqlo, right? and that's fantastic. Right? Before we started Citizen Wolf, I liked my $10 Uniqlo shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but right, there are also brands out there who have ridiculous margins and sell $160 t-shirts that are also made in China or right. India or other places. And it's not because it's inherently necessarily better, right, as I'm sure as you found, a lot of it's just simply markup. Right? Yeah. People can charge that amount. So for us, we've got a price point which is certainly, we feel a lot more competitive than having to pay $160 for something that's mass produced. Right? Um, but you can have all the benefits of something that's tailor-made that's locally made right here in Darlinghurst, uh, that's made ethically so there's no sweatshop labour involved. Yeah. And most importantly, it's going to be something that you're completely happy with because it's made for you. So for us it was about you know, finding the market and there is a sizable market um, that are actually wanting that quality as opposed to just looking only at price. Kevin, where do you source your, your letters from? Yeah, um, so it's it's been really difficult actually trying to find the right kind of garment. So, um, you know, like a lot of, like a lot of people think garment like just leather's the same. You know, it's the same leather you use on a couch, the same you're going to use on a wallet. <laughs> it's completely different. And what we trying like trying to find is we didn't really want to compromise on the quality of leather, which means that we had to pay more of a premium. Um, so, for example, like most leather in the world, eighty percent of it is chrome tan. It's very cheap like damages the environment, really, really crap stuff. So we decided to go for Vegetown leather, which is a lot more expensive. Um, only certain countries make it very well. Um, you know, in Italy, um, in France, um, even in Australia, we have the benefit of, you know, kangaroos, which, uh, you know, like they're a pest in, in some communities. Um, and the leather's very thin. It's very, very, like, very, very supple and strong. But it's actually cheaper here, whereas like, you know, if we would go overseas, you'd be paying three times the price for the same wallet. So, you know, we can afford to kind of uh, incorporate that into our margins. But the, the focus of having everything veg hand was that we wanted the wallets to kind of evolve with you. Like, when you have, like, a really crappy quality leather good, you buy it, and then, like, two months later or two years later, it just falls apart. But we wanted it so that it looks good now, 
but just wait for it in like, you know, one year, five years, ten years. It's just going to get better and better with age. And that's only a quality that is inherent in vegetarian leather. And that's why it's really important to us. So it is then cheaper just to use the local leather rather than actually importing something from Italy or Yeah, it depends. I mean, like, we wanted to kind of give people the choice. Um, like, certain leathers, like, people have a different feel. And that's the main thing with leather. Or the smell of a certain leather. So we wanted to actually give people that choice. Like, the design's there, but it's more so just um, freedom in the material, you know, and, and what you like as a consumer. Uh, I guess, with Steve, with Oscar Hunt, in the earlier days, was it always kind of produced the way it is now, or has it changed, would you know, by kind of over the years, if it's, yeah, is it it's, always it's, about getting imported materials in, or? It's, it's definitely evolved, like, uh, when, when Oscar Hunt first started, it was, Produced out of India, and, and the I mean the suits weren't that great, um, and, and it definitely sort of evolved. And we're not sort of shy to say that we've uh, learnt a lot of things on that journey. Yeah. Um, so it, it's evolved a lot in the sense that uh, we have tried to we've we've had suits sampled and made out of uh, anywhere from Italy, Australia, China, all those different places, and we found that. Um, the ones that the, the tailors that we use at the moment um, produce the best quality suit that is so accurate that like when you're talking Chinese manufacturer it's not what it was like you know five ten years ago it's, it's they've got technology and accuracy that um, we haven't been able to find in such a complex garment I mean I know it's it's totally different for you guys for us suiting is, is such a, an in-depth complex garment that you really need that technology and that know-how to produce it and um, sort of keep that that availability and accessibility that we were talking about before um, available for as many people as possible. So um, it has changed a lot. Uh, we've, we've sort of uh, got to a point now where we've found this really nice uh, balance between um, getting a construction done outside of Shanghai with tailors that we use there and then finishing off the garments in-house um, for the last maybe four years with our in-house tailors that do any uh, alterations, any minor sort of bits and pieces to the garments yeah. so that we have that um, that in-house knowledge and in-house know-how of how of the, and these guys are bespoke trained as well so these guys can literally pull apart garments they can cut garments from scratch and, and construct that so um, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed over those years. I think that the, the uh, stigmatism is sort of passed in the, in the Chinese-made yeah. um, sort of thing to what it used to be, but um, I've, I've worked in Australian manufacturing as well, and I, I you know, applaud anyone who's sort of doing it and still doing it because it's a, it's, it is a hard thing to do, and, 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 and it has this really nice feel to it as well that yeah. um, I think you can't sort of get out of anything else. Um, I also think these guys are ingenious with the, the sense of banning the, the tape measures in the sense that, um, you, you know, you walk into a place and you've got to have a confidence, especially when you're used to ready-to-wear garments, where you walk into a shop, you try something, you keep trying on things until you find something that fits. Uh, what these guys do, which I'm guessing you guys do, is that um, you really get into letting your client tell you how you want something that fits. So, um, you use a master garment that someone can say, yeah, a bit more room here, a little bit more, you know, taken out here and there. Whereas if they were just to measure you, use tape measure and say, all right, we're going to make you a slim fit suit or a slim fit t-shirt. Who knows what that's going to look like at the end of the day? Because 
everyone has a different idea of what slim fit actually means. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just an ingenious idea to sort of give this this how do you want your garment to fit into the hands of your clients so that they can create that and it gives them that control and that that interaction with their garment a little bit more intimate than what it would be if, if I was just to walk in you guys measured me, you measured my chest, you measured my neck. Just go away, yeah, we'll make you you will yeah. make your t shirt, come back and in, it'll be perfect. Come yeah. back yeah. come back in four years because you still haven't found a cutter who wants to, <laughs> <laughs> to cut our cloth. Um, yeah. No, to your point it yeah. is it's so personal. Like there's one guy in particular came in and he got fitted and he's quite small and really quite broad. Um, and he was used to having his shoulder seam finished like about here, right? Which is way too short. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, 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 that's wrong. You know, like we'll bring it out a bit, it'll be square, it'll be better. He's like, nah, I don't want that. Oh, I, I reckon it makes me look taller if the shoulder seam's short. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. If that's what you want, we'll yeah, do it. You know, like no, no worries. But to yeah. your point, that was only because we, you know, he was in store and we could have that interaction. Mm. But I guess it, your relationships it, 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 with the customers are paramount in the end, isn't it? I mean, we live in such a small world now uh, with the internet. Everything is kind of accessible. How do you guys manage, I guess, the future of your, your businesses? I mean, is, do you, would you want to just kind of stay local? But then that would stunt your growth in kind of growing. Um, so how would you handle an international audience? Uh, yeah, I guess for, for us, we wouldn't unless we were personally over there. I think when it comes down to it, when you're when you're getting something made for you, it's not only about that finished product, it's about the experience. It's about how do we get from um, sitting down, talking to someone, picking a fabric or you know leather, uh, talking about the customizations, recommendations, conversations about all those different things, and then getting to the point where you actually get your wallet, you get your t-shirt, and you get your suit, and being able to try it on with someone who knows about that garment in and out um, rather than just over the phone or over email or something and and discuss with them what, what you've created together um, make some minor tweaks if they're needed or whatever it may be um, and take that garment home with you and, and, and you can guarantee a perfect experience in that when you uh, when you put this digital thing in, in between um, and you know you're no longer dealing with brick and mortar um, there's so much guesswork that's involved in there and the relationship uh, that you have with your garment is diminished like you, you no longer you no longer have this this love of this thing that you've created with someone and this experience that you've had with someone where you've walked into a store and, and you want to go back you can then log on to a different website and choose something else or go to a different you know whatever so I, I just feel like that that for me, uh, for us to, to go international, we would have to physically go international. Yeah, like right. We would have to set up another brick and mortar. We would have to start again like what I've done in Sydney where I get a few people in the door, they have a great experience, they tell their friends, they tell their family, they yeah. they get seen in their suit or their garments. And Where did you get your suit? Where did you get yeah. your t-shirt? Where did you get your wallet? Go see this guy, here's his card, boom. And that's how it happens. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that you can't, there's nothing that can replace when that. When it comes to customer. Yeah. I mean, Zoltan, yeah. you mentioned uh, when we talked about um, a few weeks ago that if you guys were to expand, you guys would kind of have, if you went to LA, for example, you would have a studio in LA and you would use materials that are found locally. We would, so that yeah. is majorly kind of sticking to your guns and kind of being 
very local no matter where you are and how you expand. That's right. I mean, our, I think we started from a, from a very different place and unashamedly we want to grow and scale and we, we want to be a bigger company. Um, and for us that means, in the same way though, we, if we were to go to say LA, we would, we would take what we've built here and what we've learned, do pretty much exactly the same thing. The only difference would be that the production would happen there. So we would always have local production and that would hold true if we were to set up in Hong Kong or in London or anywhere else, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I think the temptation is always there to get overseas and international sales. Yeah. Right? And the system we've set up does allow a degree of that flexibility. Um, but I, th I think to Steve's point, right, the fact that we aren't actually in those markets, we can't deal with things as quickly. It takes a lot longer for shipping to get across, uh, and the wait is longer. We just don't feel it provides the same level of service yeah. um, that yeah. people should get. So you're not offering the full experience in the end. Exactly, so yeah. while we do actually have some orders internationally, yeah. it's certainly not something that we're pushing heavily. Our, our focus is very much about how do we make, um, the, particularly the local market here, uh, and Sydney, um, and then eventually yeah. other states, how do we grow into those in, in a sustainable way that is true to our ethos of you know, staying local and you know, providing a great uh, product and a great service? How do you think, though, with like the shift to buying clothes and stuff online, that you will do and hope to grow more of an online brand? I think that's actually where we started. Um, when, we, when we first had this wild idea nine months ago, um, we thought we were going to be an e-commerce site uh, with a shop presence just to give it some credibility. The reality is that we actually get much more of our sales from the shop and we get a lot more customer interaction and we learn a hell of a lot more around the production, around how we educate customers on, on what we do. Um, the feedback we get has been phenomenal in terms of helping us to evolve the product and, and decide how we're going to move forward. Um, that I think, if anything, we're now pretty much a, a brick and mortar store who happens to have a website. Yeah. Um, and that may change in future, and hopefully it will, but um, for now the focus is still very much how do we um, continue to learn um, and, and then use online to, to grow, particularly internationally. Kevin, you? We, we actually, we actually um, had that sort of same dilemma, I guess, hmm. uh, when Oscar Hunt was really young in the sense that we, we thought this is, well, the guys thought this is going to be an online thing, this is going to be something where you you type in your measurements and, and out yeah. pops a garment for you. Um, we soon discovered that that wasn't the best option for us, that we, we found that the clients much preferred coming in and, and seeing us. And although you might, um, I guess, I guess you, you limit yourself with sales and you limit, I think that the importance of that, that experience just outweighs that to us. Like we, we we won't accept uh, measurements from another tailor in another country, for example, or anything like that. But that interaction is more important to us than online sales and trying to boost that and get growing and growing and growing, right? Yeah. Because for us as well, it's not sustainable. I think this this online thing will, will have a ceiling on it to a certain degree. And I think people revert back to craftsmanship and they revert back to, you know, the gut, like the, everything you see in this, this place, it, Everything has a story behind it, and I think people are going to want to start to hear those stories a little bit more, um, as opposed to online. People appreciate that that backstory of it, but I guess that's the thing is that we have the opportunity to grow online, 
and your brand could kind of grow and people are interested in it, but then if they are international, they can't necessarily get your product. Kevin, you're really new at this, and your first kind of space is the mint market, yep. which we're excited Thank to have you in. And the, the demand has been to kind of almost have some pre-made products mm. in-house. How do you balance that, where you are about customization, mm -hmm. but how do you answer that to that demand of, I wish this was already made, I could buy it? Totally. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting question, because I think part of it is it's like, you know, and maybe Steve, this is something you could answer, but when it comes to the tailoring experience, like, it's not really like a physical shop where you come in and there's beautiful music and you grab a drink, you get measured off, and that's something I wish I had. Doesn't make work. Um, kind of have it here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but, but more so, what I kind of think about is, you know, sometimes when it comes to something so small like that, is the barrier, I can't be bothered, or is this going to take too much time, you know, TLDR, so I think the idea of having pre-made products is, is totally fine. Um, you know, there's been so many hours of just testing and development to just even create a base product. So if you want to buy that, that's totally cool. Um, and I like to kind of have even like the personalization for free. Um, and that's because it's just like a, a little tiny touch that's just yours. But the fact that you can get it, um, I think it's, you know, like something that's uniquely yours. And I'm not really against the whole um, pre-made aspect. Yeah. as well like you know they're designed they've been designed to a point where even if you want to buy it off, off the shop it's still going to last you a really long time so yeah and I guess kind of ended off uh, what are your kind of long term goals individually or for personal um, for the business where do you see it going for yourself Steve do you yeah. think kind of growing within Oscar Hunt or De definitely you know? sort of growing um, within Oscar Hunt like apart from the fact that really good guys um, I think that um, the relationships that I've built up with my clients um, are still going like I, yeah. I don't want to sort of end those relationships with those clients and, and things like that so um, and, and it's a very fast growing uh, brand as well in the sense that I mean we are you know six years old but um, we are still very quickly growing and growing and, then, um, and Sydney's your first extension yeah so Sydney's our first extension and, and I guess uh, as we sort of discussed before international uh, will be the next maybe the next step for us uh, we're still thinking about that uh, but it's still something that we want to um, you know start getting you know too many suits that you can't wear them all the time like we want to be able to make sure that it's sustainable for us as a business um, so I guess yeah, that, that's sort of the business plans yeah. uh, and it will always remain a, a brick and mortar and, and an experience based business um, for me, yeah, definitely sticking within within Oscar Hunt but uh, broadening my skills, I even see that there's uh, some jeans in here, where's the guy that makes the jeans, is he? One of my passions is actually denim, I, I'm a mad denim fanatic but yeah. Uh, it's it's a side thing for me. It's a, it's a passion that I want to pursue personally, but it's it's aside from from my job. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's somewhere where I'm going to stay. Definitely tailoring and sort of being this really nice blend of of something with craftsmanship and this heritage of you know you've got American heritage and Japanese heritage and things like that. Um, you know, it has so much heritage in English tailoring and Italian tailoring. Yeah. But then in these highly technical garments that I just have this mad love for technicalities. Yeah. So and that's, that I think, what Australian tailoring 
is and what's becoming. It's Australian yeah. becoming is very new, and it's something yeah. that's exciting to be a part of that. You know? yeah. How about you guys? Do you think t-shirts are just the beginning? Is there more kind of coming from that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we started with t-shirts because we needed something that was relatively small in terms of variables. We wanted to test the idea to see whether or not people actually wanted tailored casual clothes. Um, they do, thankfully. <laughs> uh, so yeah, our plans beyond obviously scaling and opening more shops, Melbourne would probably be the next one, if not you know LA and around the world. Um, first of all, it's more fabrics. So at the moment we have organic cotton and Australian merino, but it would be about offering a, a full range of fabrics. So for every season, stripes, blah, 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 much like, you know, you have a thousand versions of when you go and get a, a suit, you can choose whatever you want. So It's not just one black fabric. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So There's a thousand blacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's true. So, yeah, I mean, fabric is one, and then obviously garments, you know, so not beyond t-shirts. And to your point, denim is something that I'm really interested in, and I think the opportunity is massive in terms of completely tailored denim. You know, there's a few brands in America that are doing it, but there's not really anyone doing it oh, here. It's so expensive there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Tailored I mean, jeans, $900. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to, yeah. to plug Fable, um, <laughs> one of our designers in-house, they're one of the rare ones doing it in Australia. So we will talk to them next month. How about yourself? Where do, you, where do you see it going? Yeah, um, there's a lot of um, like really cool directions. Um, for example, I think you know wads are something that haven't evolved so long, right? And really, a lot of people just look at it. It's just a level thing that just sits on my butt that just carries my stuff. So I like to kind of see like different elements of technology being put in. So like maybe it's RFID blocking, maybe it's Bluetooth tracking. Um, well, you know, even when you're wallets that you do um, has the theft of... Uh, yeah, so like, yeah, RFID blocking, so it stops people if you're traveling like um, a lot from scanning your buttons and all your credit card details. So that's like a fabric that I'm really excited to actually have part of it as an option. Um, we're also going to try and expand to like a women's range. I think it's actually really interesting like psychologically how women and men customize. Like for example, um, I think with the men's range, um, you know, men are more interested in like how many pockets is it really thin? I want to make it thinner. You know, like very, very functional, but I think what's interesting about um, maybe the way that women customize is it's like the feel of the leather, maybe it's the color, you know, all these kind of really nice visual things. And I think from there we can start getting data on, you know, what colors are more popular, like what other things can we introduce? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, um, I want to kind of start designing other goods as well. So that's like document holders, uh, maybe even luggage, which is something I'm really excited for. Sticking with leather. Sticking with leather, of course. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that second with leather. Yeah, it's like, oh, something yeah. Sorry, just yeah. Now you mention it, no. <laughs> I think I think you bring up a really good point of that. Everyone just sort of goes, it's just a pair of shoes. Like, yeah, I could just do with that. But I think that when we sort of put things into our practical lives and, and lifestyle, you know, you leave this room and then you start going, my wallet just keeps like digging into here or whatever yeah. or. I wish this had an extra coin pocket for you know something or other, and, and you know you, you just make do a lot of the time. Like you're always just making do. Like we're just you know dealing with whatever is given to us. But I think that if you get given an option where it's like, okay, 
if you could create the, the best camera or like, you know, the best pair of glasses or whatever that would suit you the best in your lifestyle, I'm sure you'd have a hundred ideas that you didn't bring up. If you could sit down with someone and, and start throwing those ideas out at them, I'm sure we could do custom anything, like tables, like cups and, and Which whatever. Which is custom like, made as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is for sale. You could keep that. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone just in their everyday life just makes do, like, oh, this sleeve that I keep just tugging down and and whatnot and I think we just when you experience when, when, we, when we take that frustration yeah. away like that you don't realise that it's there yeah. when you take that frustration away your everyday life changes in a little way and I think that everyone sort of takes that for granted a little yeah. bit that yeah. they just like I, I didn't realise that the sleeves of my shirts were too short until I had something that was made for me and then all of a sudden I felt this confidence in what I was wearing or I felt this change in my life to a certain degree where I was just like, I can just forget about that. Now I can focus on what I'm going to eat for dinner. <laughs> you know, uh, the next custom thing that I want to make instead of what I've got in my lounge room or whatever. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just like this this release of not just making do with what you have anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think you're raising a really, really good point. Um, every object that people buy is designed by someone, but there's always a thought behind who that person is, uh, who's going to use it. But we're all very, very different. Right? Something as simple as a basic T-shirt. Right? Mm. I don't think we've produced a single T-shirt out of the hundreds we've made that are exactly the same, because each person has got some different requirement, or they think you know, they have their own unique style that they want to express. Yeah. So there is no such thing as a generic perfect T-shirt, because everyone's idea of perfect is very, very personal. Yeah. And without getting into customization, I don't think there is a, a way to, to remove a lot of those frustrations that people have in, in their life. Yeah, that, that frustration can be, it can be fit, it can be practicality, it can be, it can be so many different things. And if you can start eliminating those, those frustrations, you find that things just get yeah, but I also think it's like a like a like a feeling too. Like just yeah. the other day, I was in like McDonald's and they had like the like the custom customize your burger. Customize your burger. I was like, my god, really? like what a time of your life. Exactly. Like for twenty five years of my life, those pickles have just been like the pain of my existence. You don't like pickles? Uh, no, not 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 even most of the pickles in their burger. Oh my god. Oh. All right. Oh, I'll show you my card. Yeah, but like in a way, it's kind of like this idea that that burger tastes so much better because you have some kind of input. Like even like Kia furniture, you know, as shitty as it is, like yeah. it's you made it, and there's some level of satisfaction when you know you've been toying around with like an Allen key for like an hour and a half. <laughs> that that's probably the most sentimental piece of furniture you have. So whether I think it's like one of it is like the pain point. I hate this thing so bad, therefore I had to fix it, so it's yeah. customized. But then it's a feeling that I had some kind of creative input in this, and therefore this means more to me than anything else I had before that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And then that, the fact that it is that you're that one person that doesn't like pickles, and obviously people are not going to mass produce things for you, so yeah. why not get something <laughs> custom made? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Are there any questions from anyone that you kind of have for the guys? Yes. Um, uh, customs usually linked with handmade. Um, are there any ways you've looked at removing the hand? Yeah. Um, to like, automate or um, uh, change it somehow to make it more efficient, but um, still make it custom. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll start for me. Um, 
So my background's architecture, and we use <coughs> like a lot of the model making techniques, like laser cutting and 3D printing. Um, I actually used that as the first basis for making my leather wallets. Um, the big breakthrough being that when you put something inside a laser cutter, even if you made 100 of the same thing versus 100 different variations, it still takes the exact same amount of time. So for me, that actually gave me the ability to um, produce uh, bespoke on, on mass, in theory. So yeah, that's the main big breakthrough. Yeah. Um, for us, it's exactly the same. I mean, we hand cut every t-shirt right now. Um, that will continue to a degree, but also we're looking at bringing laser cutting um, into the process and creating an algorithm that basically digitizes the pattern on the fly, puts it straight to a laser cutter, and then, I mean, in the future as well, robotic seamstresses, they're gonna become a reality, an interesting Robot. conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take <me> um, over. <laughs> and then I think there are, you know, there's also a bunch of technology around this thing that everyone carries and how we can use that to get fit um, in an interesting way over the internet because whilst I do think there will always be a, a place in our business for that experience of coming into the store, it does limit by necessity how many people that can, can access what we do. Um, and our basically our goal is to make the at-home experience as good as the in-store experience. Um, yeah. There's a thousand ways to do that. Yeah. I think the technology piece, more than anything, gives us the ability to scale beyond right, um, the, say, 20% of the people who right now would be interested in hand-tailored uh, goods. Uh, I think as we can get more efficient uh, in the way that we produce things and still provide that uh, customization to the technology, we can get to lower and lower price points to reach more and more people. And basically, the ambition would be for for it to not make any sense at all for you to go to ASOS right, and buy some generic mass-produced t-shirt when you could have for that same price something that is custom-made and perfect for you in the same amount of time it would take to deliver it to your home. I think like um, for us it's not just about, um, I guess speed, the capacity is, is a big thing in, in technology, but um, also consistency. Um, there's, there's a consistency that can be lost with, with human error and, and things like that. I get clients who will come in and they'll buy a suit and then they want the next four that they purchase to fit exactly like that first suit. And if there's something different about it, they notice it straight away. Yeah. When you introduce technology into the factor of Gerber technology and all these different things, the laser cutting patterns and things like that, it's so accurate that you can you can uh, please that client's need of, of every time they put a suit on every day of the week, they go to work and they feel exactly the same when they put on that garment. And, and it's, it's that type of thing that gets introduced when technology comes into play as opposed to hand stitching or things like that. That's just for us as a, as a business, definitely. Anyone else? Question? You must have talked too much then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a question. Yeah. Um, just wondering, how do you guys feel about going outside of like your house cut? So if you go doing wallets, what if someone wants like a pencil fold wallet, for example? T-shirts, they want just one sleeve or suiting. that one individual that wants that. That's yeah. the point, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
DM me with like a nothing sketch or something and uh, we can work on that. So you have to put your like brand or your name onto that product once it's finished. I mean, so you're talking about like if I finish that one item, would I put my brand on it? Yeah, because it's something that you wouldn't normally do and you don't think it represents your brand so much. Yeah, I mean, one of those things I'm, I think is actually interesting is maybe it's just a changing in, in like fashion and taste. But a lot of brands are kind of making it a lot more inconspicuous, I guess. So, I mean, that could be an option too. Like, would you like our branding or not? I think I would offer that, that person that option. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'm, I'm not against, you know, removing my brand. That's not a problem. Yeah. And for us, we've had you know, quite a few customers who come in and said, this is my favorite t-shirt, right? And it's completely different in shape to what we normally produce because um, ours is a bit more unisex by design. But uh, you know, we've had a lady, for example, who's come in and has her favorite dress, and it's a very, very feminine dress. Right? And it's not necessarily something we would have thought we wanted at the start. But it's her T-shirt. Right? We made it. She loves it. Right? And it's actually called by her name now. Um, so, and the funny thing is, when we show it to other customers who come in, they said, I want that, and we've made like four similar ones now. <laughs> um, all different, obviously, fits. But, uh, I guess the point is, ultimately, we stand behind the quality of the work that we do, but what the customer wants in terms of style and their t-shirt uh, is up to them as long as it's within you know, the, you know, the parameters that we do. We're not going to produce, for example, uh, a t-shirt made of you know, fabric from some endangered species. Right? <laughs> um, that, that's kind of where we would definitely draw a line. But if it's something that's very, very personal to them, um, I, you know, I don't see within reason why we wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, somebody called today actually, and he's like, I'm going to screen print a bunch of fabric. Will you make it up into a t shirt for me? I'm like, sure. If you want to supply the fabric, yeah, we'll make it for you. I mean, our Citizen Wolf as a brand doesn't mean anything, right? We've been around for three months. Nobody really knows us apart from you guys here, so thanks for coming. Um, hopefully, that changes in the future, but right now, it's basically an empty cup. And it gets filled up with what people want. There was an old lady that came in and she wanted the sleeves to end here because she, she was sick of pushing them up when she did the washing up. Like, I don't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> so we're like, yeah, sure. I mean, if we do that, and to Eric's point, she loves it, and she talks about it to everybody that she knows, then ultimately that, that's a win for us. And that's way more important than somebody walking around with what we perceive to be the perfect iteration of what a t-shirt is, right? Because at the end of the day, it is. It's just, it's so personal. And to Steve's point before, fashion up till now has been about compromise, you know, because it's built around what's convenient for brands and what's convenient for retailers, not what people necessarily want. And I mean, that's insanity. And it's taken 46 years since we put somebody on the moon to get to the point where suddenly, actually, no, you know what? You can have pretty much anything you want at an accessible price. So I'm more than happy to, to make anything for anybody if that's what they want, because at the end of the day, we want people talking about, I made this, this is awesome, it's just for me, only one exists. That's actually been quite a common request. Uh, we've had you know, people coming in saying, I want to make a t-shirt that no one else is, you know, I'm not gonna see anyone else wear it when I walk down the street. It has to be that unique. Um, and it's fine, it's not necessarily the same thing that I would wear, but that's not the point. Uh, it's up to them because it's what they want. Um, I'm going to go against the grain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love to. Uh, no, well, no, I think we have 
parameters in what we do as far as if someone comes in and they say, I want oh, your example exactly, a one centimeter lapel, we actually don't have a pattern to create a one centimeter lapel and then we would recommend that they go see someone in the bespoke market where they can create that for them and make recommendations for them. So if it's something without, outside of our constraints of, of what we do as far as customizations, then definitely we would point them in the right direction. Um, customize, customize is such a broad word, like, you know, customize you can, you can do till the cows come home um, for the leather goods, but um, the, you, you know, it's, it's, such a, it's such a broad thing that um, you can't just please everybody, that sometimes uh, brands have to say, what's our identity as a brand to a certain degree, um, and sort of stick true to that. Um, at the, uh, uh, for example, I have, I have a guy come in and he says, I want my suit so tight that I can't even button it up at the front. It's, it's against all the traditions of suit making for us. I mean, I can do it. Do I want to do it? Not really. Um, sometimes you've just got to then do the education process, talk to them about what that means to them and, and how that sort of affects them in their life and things like that and how they look and, and will it look aesthetically pleasing and things like that until you come to a conclusion with that client and, and, and do I want my branding on a suit where they can't do up the button because there's a hundred people going to see that suit and go, I don't want to go see Oscar Hunt because they don't know how to tailor for shit. Um, so sometimes you've just got to say no for us as, and it's completely separate for these guys. Like I know that for some, sometimes for us, you do have to say no and it's a hard conversation to have with your client, but integrity as a brand and sticking to some traditions that we have, um, we have to stay true to that. Uh, but we try and do whatever we can to please our clients at the end of the day. And if that is saying for them to go to somewhere else because we know that they do what they want and then they're happy, they're going to go, Oscar Hunt sent me to these guys, which then fulfilled that need that I had. And I got this garment that I love. So in turn, we're doing a good thing for the, our clients regardless. So there is a line sometimes yeah. it's on extreme cases like i'm talking about extreme cases it's the same with you guys like yeah. i want a t-shirt where it's at my arm it's <laughs> like that's as as long as i want it to be like you don't want to do it because you know you know you but sometimes that stuff happens like you just got to deal with it and, and you got to draw the line sometimes and sometimes you you just flex and bend a little bit more than what you usually would to please that client as well Thank you so much, guys. Um, you can check out Oscar Hunt uh, in the city on York Street, is it? Yeah, 73 York Street, level two. Beautiful space. If you guys are looking for a suit, check it out. Uh, Citizen Wolf has also their own studio uh, shop as well, just around the corner on Crown and... On Crown and Goulburn? Goulburn. That's close to me as well. Is it? I'm there you go. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin is uh, exclusively Lucy, here, exclusively. but also sharing a, uh, an office with Citizen Wolf. Um, thank you so much, guys, for coming. Really appreciate thank it. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Again, thank you so much to the Temperance Society for providing the amazing Cortons uh, gin cocktails. Uh, they're based in Summerhill. If you guys are in the area, check them out. Really cozy spot, really nice space. Um, yeah, have another drink. Purchase things if you like. Um, we're going to be holding our next talks uh, towards the end of July. It'll be kind of every, I guess the last Thursday of every month uh, we'll be having one. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it.
I just want to thank Giuseppe. I mean, every time I attend one of these things, it just gets bigger and better and uh, more people are coming and, and taking interest in, in what he's doing. And I think that it's an amazing thing as well as supporting some of the local uh, craftsmanship makers and things like that as well. I think it's a, it is a tough market to penetrate and it's a tough thing to sometimes everyone wants to support it, but they don't necessarily can. So I think that Giuseppe's doing a great job for fashion in Sydney and also internationally um, in what he does in blogging and in, in, in these types of things in talks and getting these people together it's a, it's a real community that I can see building in Sydney and around Australia and I think it's, it's a fantastic thing to support and see so thank you thank you Laura, my beautiful business partner that I, I really cannot do without her so uh, we created the space Thank you guys, enjoy. Yep. I should say one more thank you.